Welcome to the Tax Factor, the top 20 business and investment podcast from Blick Rothenberg, the tax, accounting and business advisory firm. This week with Nimesh Shah and Matt Crawford. I'm Nimesh Shah. And I'm Matt Crawford. And welcome to The Tax Factor, the top 20 business and investment podcast that keeps you up to date on all things tax. So I don't think there's been a time when there have been so many tax stories hitting the headlines. Happy New Year to all tax professionals. And as always, we're here to cover them every week. But this week, the self-assessment deadline is at the end of the month, the 31st of January. So this week, it's a self-assessment special, and we're taking a look at some of the most asked about questions that people have about their self-assessment returns. But before we do, Matt, you've been looking at the future of the self-assessment regime, and we may not be here on future Januaries to come talking about this topic. Enlighten me. What's been on your mind about self-assessment? Yeah, sure. So I remember back when George Osborne was Chancellor, he said some time ago, about a decade ago, now. Um, he announced with some fanfare the abolition of self-assessment tax returns. And I remember all of us in the tax profession thinking, you know, what on earth does that mean for us? And quite clearly, the abolition of self-assessment tax returns hasn't happened. But there have been some moves towards a more real-time style of providing information to the tax authorities. And that's called Making Tax Digital for Income Tax. It's something that launches in April 2026 or April 2027, depending on the level of your income. And what it means is that if you're self-employed as a sole trader, or if you've got property income from letting out a residential property, and you have earnings that are over £30,000, in 2027 or £50,000 in 2026, then what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to keep digital records of your income and your expenditure on HMRC compatible software. And we don't know what that HMRC compatible software looks like yet. But what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to update that information on your income and deductible expenditure every three months. So it's not going to be the case anymore that you can just leave taxes at the bottom of your to-do list for the whole year and then do them at the end of the year. And this kind of reminds me somewhat of 10 years ago, they introduced real-time information for payroll reporting. So I really think here, in terms of selecting the software that's going to be used for this, the devil's really in the detail. Because as anyone who's ever tried to do a reconciliation between RTI payments and RTI filings knows it's a really difficult process and it's still not working now even 10 years after the implementation of RTI for PAYE. So we really do have to look at whether or not the software that HMRC selects is going to be fit for purpose and I really hope that we're talking about a very small number of fields that that needs to be input into, into HMRC systems. Now, Nimesh, I'm sure um, as a, in, in your past, you've been a private client tax advisor. You've had quite a lot of times where people have provided you information quite late in the day for filing self-assessment tax returns. I understand you've got some statistics around how people go about filing their returns. Yeah, it's the thing that everyone wants to put off, don't they, Matt? So you leave it to the last minute. And history suggests that this year will be no different. So last year, we haven't got this year's stats yet, but last year, HMRC issued around 12 million self-assessment tax returns. And 95% of those taxpayers managed to get their return in on the deadline. Not bad, actually. But that's around 600,000 people who failed to meet the deadline and got a £100 penalty. doesn't sound like very much, but when you add up the 600,000 people who failed to meet the deadline, that's a £60 million windfall for the Chancellor for the most basic of late filing requirements. And that's pretty staggering. That's a big number for the Treasury to get. But as we've discussed before, on the tax factor, 
many of those people might be middle earners who are getting dragged into the self-assessment system because of things like the high income child benefit charge, one of my pet hates. And I think it's only going to increase in numbers over time, the number of people getting into self-assessment, especially with frozen allowances. We talk about that pretty much on every week, even though the earnings threshold for filing a tax return is now only set at 150,000 from next April. I can only see more people getting dragged into self-assessment. You made some points, Matt, about making tax digital uh, a real drive from the government, HMRC, to drag more people into using online resources and automating tax returns. But I think we have got jobs for life here because the tax system in the UK is far too complicated. I don't think any computer system, however clever the AI may be, is not going to replace us just yet. And the tax return just keeps ballooning every time I see it every year. And on the subject of tax returns then, Matt, I filed my tax return, so I don't need your help at the moment. But there'll be lots of people listening who do. So quick fire round. Give me your top five self-assessment tips. Sure. No, absolutely. So my first one would be all around claiming your deductible expenses. And the reason for this is if your employer pays you, for example, travel to a temporary workplace, going to see a client, whatever it might be, because of some historic ways that the employment tax legislation was drafted, you actually had to put, unless you had a special dispensation from HMRC, you had to put those deductible expenses on your employees P11Ds. And old habits die hard. And whilst you don't have to do that anymore, a lot of employers still do. So it's really worth checking your P11D and making sure to see if there are any expenses on there that you think could be deductible. Otherwise, you'll end up paying more tax than is actually due. It's worth mentioning whilst we're on the subject of P11Ds that the revenue actually announced this week that they're going to be abolished. The idea is they're going to be abolished from 2026 in favour of payrolling all benefits in kind. Whether that happens along the deadlines that they expect, I don't know, but that remains to be seen. So that's my first tip. My second uh, top tip would be not forgetting to include your state pension if you receive one. Whilst you receive it gross, it is still taxable income and does need to be included. My third tip is all around if you're an expat and you have foreign tax to pay, often because of the UK tax year being kind of non-conterminous with other jurisdictions tax years, you might not necessarily know what your overseas liability is. And therefore, you might not know necessarily what foreign tax credits you might be entitled to claim. It's absolutely fine to estimate those, mark your return as provisional, and then finalise them later so that you don't end up with any kind of surprise in terms of the ultimate bill. I'd say another really good one, I always do this, have last year's tax return to hand just to make sure that there's a bit of a sense check, you're not missing anything, or there's a claim that you made that you need to carry forward and you haven't forgotten it. And lastly, my fifth tip would be the importance of disclosure. If you've got anything slightly uncertain on your tax return, use the white space note provided to give some information to HMRC on what that uncertainty is. And the massive benefit of that is if you do that and you do it completely and you do it transparently, HMRC's ability to acquire into your tax return is limited normally to 12 months after the date at which it was filed. If you don't do that, they probably have at least four, if not six years to do so. So Nimesh, how about you? What would your top tips for self-assessment be? You've stolen them all, Matt. Uh, So let me wrap my brain. What can I do? Mine are around relief, maybe. So do you need to claim higher rate tax relief on your pension payments? So where your pension contributions are paid net of basic rate tax, remember that HMRC will ask for a gross figure of your pension contributions on your tax return, not the amount you pay. Put that on your return, you'll get some money back. I helped one of my friends over the weekend with their tax filing. I'm very popular this time of year. I said to them, make sure you put your pension contributions on there. It saved about a £1,000 on their tax return that I'm waiting for them to buy me a drink. Include all your gift aid donations that you've made 
during the tax year. And again, make sure you claim any high rate tax relief. You can include gift aid donations that you've made after the end of the tax year, but before you file your return to carry those back. And remember, you can't claim relief twice for those donations that you made last year that you did carry back last year. So make a, a record of what you have claimed already. Capital gains, one of my favorite taxes. If you have made capital gains of less than 12,300 in the year, that's the capital gains annual exemption. But that is going down from this tax year to 6,000. And next tax year, it'll be 3,000. But you only need to include capital gains on your return if the total proceeds exceeded four times that limit, 49,200. And I'm not as brave to do this, but if you have dabbled in cryptocurrency, it'll be important to confirm that you don't need to report these transactions and pay any tax. That is something HMRC are getting more and more wise to and raising inquiries. My final top tip, this is a boring one, Matt, but an important one, please pay your tax on time. The late payment interest rate is now a staggering 7.75% as interest rates have soared over the last 12 months. Make sure you pay any tax you owe by 31 January 2024. Otherwise, your overall bill could be a lot higher than anyone expected. And then on the subject of interest and penalties, we said at the start about HMRC getting a windfall from late filing. But Matt, you spotted some interesting stats. I'm going to throw the stat question back to you here. HMRC have done pretty well out of interest and penalties as well, haven't they? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So they got 346 million last year in interest payments alone. And that's three times as much as they got in the tax year before that. And of course, you know, with interest rates now at that staggering rate, we're going to see that increase again next year. So it's become so much more important to pay your tax on time. In terms of penalties, I believe the revenue last year got 851 million an increase of around 25% in penalties from self-assessment taxpayers. An awful lot of those will be automatically generated. And I spotted something in HMRC's accounts last year that around three quarters of automatically generated penalties that are appealed are actually overturned. So if you do get a penalty, it is worth looking, did you, for example, have a reasonable excuse to file or pay your taxes late, in which case you might only have the interest charge to pay and not be one of those people that's um, forming part of that rather shocking 851 million statistic. Over a billion pounds that HMRC have raised from interest and penalties. What a sombre thought to end on this week for our self-assessment special, Matt. Don't be one of those people who is paying HMRC penalties and interest. Please get your tax return in on time. Make sure you do pay any tax that you owe by the 31st of January. And on that note, that's all we have time for this week. My thanks to Matt on this self-assessment special. And again, a final reminder, you've got another 10 days or so to get your tax return in online. Hopefully you're not one of those people who needs to file a paper return because those were due on the 31st of October or Halloween which uh, is no coincidence, I expect, for HMRC. And if you're trying to get through to HMRC on the phone lines, I would get there sooner rather than later, as phone lines are going to be inundated nearer the 31st of January. That's, again, another top tip from me. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover on future episodes? You can visit the Tax Factor page on our website, where you'll find a form to contact us. We record the podcast on a Wednesday, so you can message us right up to the time that we record. I'm sorry, we can't give you individual advice or responses to messages. I'm back again next week, so very much looking forward to welcoming you back to the Tax Factor podcast. That's the Tax Factor. We'd like to thank you for making us one of the UK's top 20 podcasts. Find all our previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And join us again next time on The Tax Factor.